You're listening to Bushwick Junction on Radio Free Brooklyn. Bushwick Junction is a show about life's inflection points hosted by me, Asha Saluja. It's about the crossroads in our lives, which paths we choose when we reach them, and where those choices lead us or don't. We'll talk about the decisions we agonized over and the decisions we didn't even realize we were making until years after we made them. We'll talk about how we decide things, how we weigh our options, or how we tap into our intuitions. And we'll talk about the degree to which our choices matter. Do we have any control over the things that alter our fate, or do we end up in the same place no matter which roads we take? On each show, I have a guest tell me about all the big decisions they've ever made in order. We start with birth, fast forward to their first big decision, and map out the road their life has taken as a series of these inflection points or junctions. With that, I will introduce today's very special guest. Let me turn your mic up here. Hey, Chicago. Hi, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for being here. Everyone, you can't see us in this studio uh, right now in Bushwick. It's really hot, uh, but I just feel super cheery when I'm around this person. Uh, Chicago Figueroa is a barber, a musician, an incredible one, and also a sound engineer, a uh, many-traded human being. And we met a few weeks ago on this uh, retreat that we went on where we learned all about sound meditation and sound healing. And oh, yeah, just clicked. I feel like we just found each other by the end of the trip, had a really brutal ride back <laughs> uh, from upstate. And I couldn't wait to have this person on my show and to interview him because, yeah, I just want to dig in. Um, so we're going to start by playing one of your songs, which I'm really excited about. Uh, Chicago's band is called Permanent Wave, and this song is called Gaia.
That was Gaia by Permanent Wave, and you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. So, uh, let's get into it. And my it. first question, which hopefully isn't too intimidating, it's okay. the one I'm used to asking people and them responding, you know, various ways. <laughs> Tell me about the circumstances into which you were born. All right. Well, I was born in Puerto Rico, and um, I have an older brother. He's probably about seven or eight years. Yeah, seven. <laughs> seven years older. <laughs> and um, I was born in PR. And um, I spent about eight years there. And then my parents, uh, both, everybody moved to the Chicago area. So I remember living on close to the beach and having um, a quite different lifestyle when I was little. Um, uh, I went to military school. It was really weird. Like a military elementary school? <laughs> yes. Whoa. Uh, it was kind of like how their private schools were set up. Um, but I also like went to an American school there. So I think my parents were already trying to like immerse me into the American school program. Um, but yeah, it was about eight when we moved to the Chicago area. Um, you know, so I'm pretty removed from Puerto Rico, but, um, I spent, yeah, most of my time in, in the Chicago suburbs. What was the move like? Little uh, eight-year-old? I know. Uh, it was pretty epic, I remember. <laughs> my mom, like, packed. Well, my dad got a transfer from um, his company, so they paid for the move, so that they packed everything. So all of our, like, rattan furniture from Puerto Rico came with us. Um, just everything came with us. Um, it took up, like, the whole summer. My dad stayed behind, finished everything. Um... I don't know. I just remember being kind of sad um, to leave such a beautiful, tropical, tropical place. Was it a hard social adjustment? <clears throat> um, I think I was always kind of socially awkward. So you're like, you can put me anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Still not going to make friends. <laughs> I was definitely socially awkward. Um, I remember wanting to have something new and different and being OK with it. Mm. Um, I kind of was at an age that it was just like, oh, take me anywhere, you know. Um, I remember leaving behind a best friend. We're, we're still we're still close. Um, I knew her since birth. Um, I remember leaving her and being a little bit sad, um, but she shortly followed. So. Oh, great. Yeah. To Chicago? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's to like, like the suburbs. Amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. literally when you, are, I, I mean, I didn't move like this, but the story of a little kid moving is like your best friend like maybe you'll move one day too yeah and like no that's never gonna happen dude you're probably never gonna see this person again <laughs> but yours did no yeah our uh mothers were best friend they were Aww. like pregnant together oh my gosh that's so beautiful yeah it's pretty pretty crazy wow so, yeah wonderful so we can fast forward as much or as little as you want i am curious to hear about how you adjusted from I have a lot of theories about how um, our brains react to different weather. Yeah. So if you want to talk about what it was like for you to hit up yeah. the Windy City, we can do that. Or we can just skip to your first big decision. We can talk a little bit more about my Your adjustment. My <laughs> into, into high school, my adjustment. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm still adjusting. Uh, the weather was crazy. I had never seen snow. Ooh. So... Um, 
I feel like I'm very like warm blooded. I never really adjusted to the cold. Um, living in Chicago was really insane. Like their weather is like Canada. Yeah. Um, it's so, so cold. Yeah. Um, I had a hard time adjusting with that, but you know, I was eight. I loved the snow. I love playing in snow. And so I kind of just like gave it up. That's you know, cute. I was a little snowboarder. It was so really? much fun. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, yeah. We snowboarded in landfills out there. Whoa. <laughs> Making it work. Yeah, exactly. When did you uh, get into music? Um, I had always kind of been into music. Um, my mom had me in piano classes since I was five. Um, church was big part of our upbringing and I was also in church choir um you know like the Christmas bell choir mm. yeah that was that was so much fun love a choir <laughs> to this day like I don't I don't ever go to church but choral music is like yeah. the most awe-inspiring sound in the world it's pretty epic all the harmonies and everything yeah so uh you were doing that how was church for you was that something um, you felt was easy or church was fun because I did I got to play a lot of music and sing and that was fun until I like I think until I got into high school and I just started like dressing all crazy and stuff and then I would go to uh I would go to church and it was like youth group it was like high school youth group and people would be like oh I don't want to like hang out with that person so mm. I'd be like ostracized when I was like 15. Oh. But churches around that time, I was like, um, it was the 90s and it was like very like strict and, you know, I think people hated gay people or just anybody who was any different. Um, you know, it was like also where I grew up was very ostracizing. Um, I was like one of maybe 1% person of color in my high school. So that was kind of weird. I know it was very strange. That's um, really a lot. Yeah. <laughs> how how were things for you inside your family? Um they're good. I mean, they were they were kind of crazy um with my mom. I think my mom was like a the stricter Christian at that time. Like she didn't really understand what I was like going through or like what it meant, you know. Um but, you know, I think it was very hard at that time, especially uh because I'm like trying to find a voice, but you know, she wanted me to be part of the church. Um, and I just like rebelled really hard because I was like, you can't tell me what to do in any aspect whatsoever. Just don't tell me what to do. Mm. Um, it just wasn't a place that was accepting for me. So, you know, I kind of got rejected, you know, also you're a teenager, like. What's gonna suck no matter what. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No matter of how much it sucks. Um, so, Oh, God, what was I just going to say? Uh, we were talking about, oh, you were into music via church and via your parents yeah. getting you into it. Mm -hmm. um, what did you think in those years that you wanted to do with your life? And what did your parents think that you should do? Um, well, my mom is a school teacher. Uh, uh, she was a school teacher. Um, and then my dad's an engineer. So my dad wanted me to like follow his like because I'm really good at math and he wanted me to 
follow in his footsteps and go to like the university fighting Illini where everybody goes hmm. <laughs> who goes to school in um you know Illinois and uh yeah he wanted me to go to that path and then my mom was an artist um as well and she wanted me to like go into the like school system and be a teacher and do all that stuff my brother's a school psychologist um, oh fascinating yeah so um, they each just wanted you to be them exactly hmm. you know uh and you kind of did both. I did. I'm actually both of them. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I did both. <laughs> Why not both? So yeah. tall. So your first. Well, you said that your first big decision was to move here from Chicago. Correct. But I would beg to differ and say that you chose a really interesting like college major. Mm-hmm. And talk to me about how you made that decision. Um, well, I started going to. Um, college for art and um i found out that i really didn't have the attention span to kind of like focus and do it like it wasn't really my passion i really loved it i'm an artist um uh so i went through i went to a couple schools um moved away then came back to chicago and decided to go to uh columbia college which is kind of a it's an art school yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. It's a liberal arts education. Yeah. Um, and I started going there for music. But again, my attention span, I couldn't do it. Um, mm. I don't know. It was something more about uh, like the sound engineering, sound engineering, like Eng- engineering, sorry, <laughs> engineering program. Engineering. 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 Um, engineering program that I like really love to make sounds and I liked the production of sounds and learning sounds because it was like my instrument I got this you know yeah I took lessons I knew how to play it I was but I was more interested in like making and recording and uh yeah just making sounds with like the stuff that I had yeah I feel like something I'm thinking about a lot right now is there's sort of people who are artists and content with just making art are sort of really comfortable with like open-endedness like yeah. you're never done with art you sort of just have no. to sit in it forever and never yeah but if you're someone who likes completion and answers and tasks like yeah. maybe taking your art and turning it into a functional trade is more satisfying it's not even like you're taking the safer route it's like yeah. Ooh, how satisfying that I can like complete this task about making sounds instead of just yeah. feeling like, all right, I wrote a song. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. No one can ever answer that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those time frames are so different. Like the time that it takes to write a song, right? The time it takes to create a whole album and a whole vision and a whole thing is so lengthy. Yeah, and you have to you just know. buy into what you're doing for yeah. like an indeterminate amount of time. You have to time. love what you do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some people do, some people don't. Yeah. Fascinating. Do you think you're more of a systems thinker than your average artist? Um, what do you mean by systems again? Like someone who is interested in systems and you know you say you're good at math like math is a system yeah no 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 i mean i love science and i do appreciate math and those like you know having solutions i do appreciate that but i'm more of a like creative 
person, but mm. I do. I'm really good at that as well, which is I think I can balance those both in what I do. Why not both? Yeah. Uh, the theme <laughs> of the show. So you finished that degree in Chicago at Columbia. What is that? Oh, no. I hope this wire that just fell isn't important. <laughs> well, Can we'll you hear me out. out there? Shoot me a text. Um, okay, so t- tell me about your decision to move here. Okay, so <clears throat> it took me, um, I started going to community college and that, you know, I kind of, it took me a couple years to figure out like what I wanted to do. And, you know, it took me six years to graduate. Not bad. Not bad. You no, know, I did it. Um, but when I was uh, about a senior in college, um, I had looked at my credits and I was like, oh, my God, I thought I wanted to stay an extra semester. But um, I was performing a lot in Chicago, just performing all the time. Um, I did mostly acoustic stuff. I was in a couple of bands out there. Yeah. But um, I think always in my mind as a child, like I had a very creative mind and I always wanted to like move to New York and not so much be the best, but like just be challenged Mm -hmm. and just like be in a place that was so infiltrated where it was like going to be fun for me to be in, you know, Um, I thrive off of other people and um, so yeah, I had like enough credits to graduate and I was like, wait a second, I have enough credits to graduate. Why am I going to do another semester? Mm. So I had talked to some of my teachers and they're like, oh, we're doing some like spec work um, in New York for this company. So I got just like a paid internship to move here. Dang. And I had a place to live. I know it was stupid. Wow. I mean, I definitely had hardships when I moved here. I was like 22 years old. Yeah. (laughs) What was your place to live? Um, I think I think I moved to like uh, like a railroad. uh, um. It was like three of us. Uh, it was a railroad apartment, um, super tiny. I think the bedrooms were five by eight. Um, you know, it was on forty so third and tenth. Friends who were also moving at the same time. Mm-hmm. I had one friend that was moving at the same time. We drove a U-Haul out there from there, and then we had a friend here have an apartment, and two people were moving out. Perfect. Yeah. So, what was the internship? Um, it was working, uh, at this company, like a rehearsal studio in, uh, Midtown, um, for bands and they had about 27 rooms and my teachers had done the spec work, like all the speakers and stuff, like all the, um, acoustical treatment for each room. Um, so I was, uh, hired to help them install all of it. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so such an important and cool job for a twenty two year old who just graduated. It's true. Sound engineering degree. Um, It's true. I lucked out. What did that moment feel like? Was it like, oh my god, I need to decide Mm. and I'm torn, or was it like, I'm fucking doing it, or was it like, I think it was like, this is what I've been always wanting, or was it like, I'm not sure. Well, it was like, I'm a person that like, if I don't do something, I'm always going to be like, well, what if, you know, it mm. was more of that. That yeah. was like my first up there. The first thing that I thought, well, got to do it now yeah. or else you're never going to do it. Um, and that was pretty early. <laughs> uh, it was super hard to leave, though. Um, what well, was hard? Just leaving. I 
have a giant family. Mm. My mom is one of 11. Wow. And everyone was in Chicago or a lot? Um, Mostly. Maybe about like two or three of them were in Puerto Rico, but mostly Chicago. Yeah. Dang. So you had this giant support system. Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Medium supportive support system. Mm -hmm. And you had to leave that. Did you? But you had two friends coming here. I had a friend coming here um with me um i didn't know the third person so yeah i knew her um i knew some people like one or two people from living in colorado and being a raver out there wait what you skipped that part i know (laughs) you kidding me (laughs) i know i moved out there for like a year (laughs) was it like when you were in between in the community college years yeah, and yeah, trying yeah. to decide what to do where yeah. in Colorado what was the rave scene like <laughs> what come on well I started off in the rave scene in in Chicago because uh-huh. I was like into house music and stuff yeah and yeah. it was like 1996 so of course you're gonna like be a raver wow um you were in it I, I was in it I was in the subculture that was yeah. like commodifying and copying that yeah you were in it yeah so how's that how did that what what about the experience of moving to Chicago to rave for one year? Are you still carrying with you right now? Um, wait, moving to Colorado? Yeah, what? Oh, sorry, that's yeah. what I meant. Okay. What about the experience of doing that has was, affected your current life? You know, it wasn't a good experience for me. I'm no? going to say that. Um, it felt, I mean, you leave your parents. It felt like running away. Mm. Um at the time, Denver, I'm not sure how it is now, so I can't say. Um, it wasn't very diverse. Um, it wasn't, it was very hard for me. I was 19. Um, I did find, I did find, uh, you know, a group of friends. Uh, you must have gone with a group of friends. Um, I went with a friend of mine. Mm. Yeah. But she, um, like, got married really quickly. What? <laughs> I did find friends out there, but it didn't feel like home as much as Chicago did. Mm. Like it, like when I moved here, it was way different than when I lived in Denver. It just didn't feel like a place that I could be in for a really long time. All right, so yeah, it was bad. It wasn't. Good. We're not. We're not keeping any lessons yeah. from that moment. No. Today, except don't do. I don't partied run away. a lot. Yeah, I partied a lot. It just wasn't really good and fun. Gotcha. Yeah. So. I want to skip back. You said you're the type of person that would always do the what if you hadn't come. Here. Yeah, yeah. Let's do some alternate reality thinking for a minute. Okay, what if? Okay. What would be happening Ugh. right now? Well, I had the choice of either. I mean, where do you go as like a sound engineer, right? You either move to L.A. or you move to um, New York. Yeah. Or you scrounge for <laughs> jobs in wherever you're at, like one or two jobs. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, did LA cross your mind? Um, it did for a second. Um, it was just really easy for me to get. Uh, um, I was really goth at the time, which is probably why I picked <laughs> New York. You know what I mean? Who doesn't come to Gotham? Yeah, Gotham goths City in LA are like <laughs> not having a good time. Yeah, there's... they're like it's hot. <laughs> There's a lot of goths out there, though. Yeah. I feel like they have a bigger goth scene yeah, out there. Yeah, I think which is so, so weird. too. But I think they're they're not having a good time. <laughs> no, they're not. They're melting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, why is it 100 degrees? <laughs> they're melting. Uh, yeah. 
so you know what? Let's go with the alternate reality of okay. you're an, you're a melting LA goth. Yeah. And we'll check in on that individual from time to time okay. as we go through the rest of your story. Okay. Um so you moved here and mm-hmm. what did it feel like? What happened? Um I think I cried a lot. I was really lonely. Um it was I went from being the best acoustic um solo singer-songwriter in Chicago to just a sea of the best. Mm. Um, it was really challenging. It was really hard. Um, did that ever cross your mind? Like, were you like, how is my music going to change as I make this move? I mean, I think that's why I did it to myself. It's because I feel like I write the best music. Like at the time, like it was so great. I was so emo. I wrote the best music. Um, you know, it's, it's a dark city. Um, uh, kind of to move into so young, you yeah. know. Um, and you're like, here you go. Yep. There you are. Here you go. Everyone's better than you, and no one cares how you're doing. No one cares. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and people are gonna step on you. <laughs> Literally, rats and people are yeah. both gonna step on you. Uh, fantastic. So you're crying. You're. Oh yeah, I cried a lot. Were you gigging? Like, were you able to play right away, or did yeah. you not find an in yet? Um. I was able to play a little bit. Um, I did a lot of, like, open mics. Um, I was gigging at, like, Blue Stockings. I don't know um, that place. It's a, it's been, a, it's like a community bookstore that's on Allen Street. It's been around Is forever. It's still there? It's still there. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. It's been there for, like, 15 years, at Fantastic. least. Fantastic. Yeah. It's a good place. You should stop by there. Okay. Everybody out there, you should stop by there. Everybody, blue stocking. Um, it's just a funny thing, you know. It's a funny place. Uh, so yeah, I did like some of my first shows there. It was pretty cool. Um, you know, were you with a band at this point? No. Um, That's brave. Just solo, solo open micing. Yeah, I mean the first year, uh, the first year I wasn't in a band, but I shortly got in a band. I met a lot of musicians for my job, so it was super easy for me to like find people to play with. How was work going at that point? Did you is that where you ended up working full time from that paid internship? Yeah. I ended up working Yeah. I ended up working there um as a sound tech. Um and then I had various jobs from there in the sound industry. Um but you know, at the time it was a very hard it's a very at that time, uh, you know, I was more female presenting and, um, like I went to school, there was five females out of 500 people. Wow. It was 2000. Whoa. Um, it was a really... Wait, in your school program or at your In job? my school program, in my college program, there was 500, um, there was 495 men and five women. You're badass. That's wild. <laughs> Oh my god! It was crazy. And were you sort of treated that same way at your job? Like I'm sure that industry yes, was so for predominantly sure. for sure. Cis male. Um, it was very cis male, and um, at the time they hadn't hired. I mean, it's just a bit by chance they obviously hired me, but I came with a lot of not to say bad about them, um, anything bad about them, but um, you know, I had been like I think they had had the 
place since like the 70s and I was like the first one since like 1980 to have a job there in 2000 so 20 years no females worked there wow um yeah that's wild um um so you found you you don't have this you're not in this line of work anymore I am not and we didn't talk about that transition either but like I want to hear there's so much to talk what's about. the next what's the next big decision <laughs> um so yeah transitioning that was my next big um I lived here for a while and definitely some of the reason why I moved to New York was to get away um there was something that I needed to do that was not near my family um I kind of felt a lot of shame about it and I needed to do, go do something on my own um I started going to, this was probably about five or seven years. I've been here for like 16 years. Um, five or seven, five or six, seven years after I moved here, um, I started going to a clinic, um, and I made a decision to start taking hormones to transition. Yeah. Do you want to talk about what into, <laughs> what went into that decision? Um, there was, there was a lot, a lot that went to that decision. Um, I, I want to kind of focus on the fact that this is very much like a reaffirming therapy and a reaffirming transition more than like one that you decide. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of a decision to admit and to yourself and display to the world who you are. Correct. Um, and that will make more sense once we go later in the talk of this, of why it is affirming for me. But at that time, um, it felt like this is what I needed to do. Um, you know, I thought about it for a very long time. Um, I had been binding, um, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, the act of making your breasts really flat, which is a very, very, very painful thing. Um, it brings a lot of problems. In your spine, it's not fun. But I had been doing that for about eight years. Wow. Um, so that's how I knew, you know. I definitely knew <clears throat> that uh, that was something that, you know, I had spent so long thinking about. Um, so, you know, if I, if I had different choices at the time, I probably would have gotten... Uh, this surgery, um, but I decided to uh, take hormones instead so I can... I, I'm not sure if at that time you couldn't get... I think at that time you couldn't get top surgery unless you were, like, seeing a doctor, you were, like, gonna be male, like, you were doing all these things to, like, transition from female to male, you know. Um, so at that time it was very, like, you have to do, you know, you, like, couldn't really have a surgery unless you went through all these steps before. Interesting. Yeah. No, it's a little bit different. different. Climate. Yeah. Yeah. Like different medical approach. So, yeah, I'm sorry if my language out uh, out there is a little outdated too, because you know there's new languages for 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 things and more. You know. I don't think you have any need to apologize. Hey. You're telling your own story. <laughs> um, you know, if I were using the wrong language, maybe I should apologize. <laughs> but you're just talking about you. So. Yeah, but there's still like, um, you know, I'm just saying that my language might be a little bit outdated for uh, newer, newer folk out there. 
That's fair. So mm-hmm. I guess I with when we're talking about jobs or you know, marriages or like your commonplace non marginalized story, mm-hmm. I find it easy to ask prying questions. Yeah. I'm like, I know what's appropriate to ask. Yeah. And in this conversation I find my I don't know what I don't you know what I mean? I I want you to self direct this part of the conversation more than I mm-hmm. ask. Uh wait, what is it that you usually just ask? No, just in general. Like yeah. when I'm asking about different junctions, how mm-hmm. people decided things, what it felt like. Yeah. I want I, you know, okay. I know what's what's appropriate, but yeah. when it comes to talking about your decision to affirm your gender, mm-hmm. like um, you tell me, you tell me how it felt. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's changed. Um, it's changed from now. Like, what is affirming in my gender? Because, um, you know, it's just really wild to be to be uh, one gender and then go through this process of like. You know, probably, you know, um, different people pass or like what their intention, um, you know, from the beginning is a lot different from individual to individual. But my kind of story was that I took hormones for um, about five years. Um, I decided to do so. Um, I'm very happy about that decision. I would never take anything um, back. I'm happy the way I look. Um, uh, within that five years, uh, it was very hard for me. Um, it's very expensive to have, uh, there's like different kind of hormone therapies that you can do. It's like injecting yourself or, or you can, um, do this one thing where it's like called like a gel, which is way more expensive than the injections. Mm. But, um, it got really hard for me to inject my self over and over and over again. Yeah, um, I can imagine. So that was like part of my decision to stop taking them. Um, and it was also uh, hard for me to manage my hormone level mm. uh, well. Um, so I just stopped. Uh, you know, within that five years, I um, had top surgery, uh, which is like I had a double mastectomy. Um, and that was probably the best thing that could possibly ever happen to me in my life. That's amazing. Yeah. Talk to me about how all of this felt for you socially. Like, was were there yeah. kind of a new community that you became a part of? Was it mm-hmm. was your old community supportive and accepting? Um, you know, I've always been part of a lot of communities, and I feel like some communities were. You know, the communities that are physically going through that, it's very easy for them to, like, look at you and be like, oh, okay, you know, but it's like, I don't feel like I need, like, I get everything from that, like, one community. So I, like, am part of a lot of different communities, which I feel the people, you know, I lost some people around, along the way, you know, that happens. Um, that happens to everyone, not, yeah, <laughs> not just you. It does. You know, it is... Yeah. Um, yeah, it just was a lot of a lot of different processes, like the process of my voice changing, taking the hormones was a different process than me getting the surgery. Um, I think 
you know, just to talk like medical things about the surgery, it was like I could stand up straight. Um, you know, I just was always hunched over. When you go to hug people, you're just like, no, I'm not going to hug you. Mm. Like, you know, just my intimacy got a lot different. I was happy. Um, That's incredible. Yeah, my intimacy was just like, oh, okay, you know, now I can do this, you know. And just walk around in the world and not be afraid of an entire part of your yeah. body. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I feel like I'm... I'm. I feel like that what we as cis people don't understand is what how much of a hardship it must be to constantly want to hide a part of yourself. Like, I, yeah, yeah, a part of you that sticks out, and it's painful for you to like make it go away. You know, wow. it's like what the heck? It's really, it's really a lot. So I feel like there was a lot, a lot of pain from having to do that inside my body. Like, it manifested in anxiety, it manifested in so many ways, stomach issues, all this stuff, you know? Um, And once I did that, it was just like, oh, okay. So I imagine (laughs) that when you say, so it was like, oh, okay. I'm imagining a person who's having a lot of pain uh, and anxiety about one thing, and then if that suddenly goes away there's just room for a bunch of new parts of your identity to flourish instead like you can stop focusing on this thing Mm -hmm. that brings you pain and start focusing on all the other things that make you you well yeah and knowing you now it feels like that has happened and i want you to talk about it yeah i mean it wasn't definitely overnight it was things that were bottled inside of me um from childhood you know um and you like slowly, you slowly get into it. And I have a great therapist. Um, and you start chipping away at the things that you were used to, you know, that never felt right that you had to like overcompensate for. Um, just like not being able to be yourself at all. Um, so you slowly start chipping away um, in different ways and like, um, I don't know. I'm still working on it. (laughs) I want to talk about the specific ways you're working on it, but I want to spend a little bit more on this time right after you had surgery. Mm -hmm. What what opened up right after? What made it one of the best decisions you've ever made? Um, Well, I think, I mean, just having the feeling of your chest... Um, be open instead of like closed. Your chakra, your heart yeah, chakra. Your heart chakra, yeah. Ah. Um, it was always closed. So I've definitely like, I'm not like sure exactly how chakras work, but I definitely do that work, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that yeah, I do that, you know? Oh my God. Oh, that's a chakra thing, you know? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. And yeah. I think this is so funny because after in our retreat, we did that chakra yeah. work. Yeah. Several of us, myself yeah. included, gave the feedback of like, I don't really get chakras, but I get them a little more now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do them. Yeah. I do it. Um, I've definitely done work 
with uh, different parts of my chakra um, through listening to stuff on YouTube. Oh, wow. And like frequency stuff. Huh. Yeah. Um, and I like tune to different frequencies. But, um, you know, I felt I felt a lot of stuff pour out of that almost like a little portal, you know. Um, it's literally where your heart is. Yeah. Um, I was able to like connect uh you know, I was able to be myself. And I, I think that my heart, like that kind of chakra is like one that's like very permanent. And like, you know, it's like I'm a musician, I'm a writer. Um, You know, people have said that I'm the type of person who uh, talks from the heart. Like um, some people go from their mind to their heart, but I'm like a person who like talks through my heart instead. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I feel that from you. That feels right. Yeah, it's like goes through my heart first and then it comes out my brain. Mm. Um, so it was just like easy to kind of access those points on my body that were like so closed off and so, so much in pain and like, so just like tough to let that go, you know? Wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty tough. Uh, thank you for talking about it. I feel like you're just a, a wise person and I hope that you sitting in this pain for a second and sharing your story is helping it's Someone good to out talk there. About it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's talk about the next big decision. Um. What was the next one? Uh. Well, you said the next decision the you made was to be happy. Correct. Which is incredible. And yeah. Let's talk about what went into that um, and why. That's such a beautiful last big decision to have yeah. made when coming into this room. Um. There was there was like a. Inter- like a like a big decision in between um i think my uh you know there was like a big moment in time when i started transitioning and then my mom passed away and then after like probably about a year and a half after she passed is when i decided to have uh um uh top surgery so in between that um I made a decision to like help her and deal with that. Um, you know, talking about it just makes sense because it was like definitely something that I had to go through. And at the time, I, you know, part of my transition was very much dealing with that and coming out of that. Um, and it was, it was pretty, it was a painful thing and a painful time when I was going through a lot. Um, you know, to put your mother to rest was really intense. Um, but through all of those experiences, you know, she was able to come to terms with me in her own spirituality of like, of her, like I saw her pass away kind of, um, and I, and I was able to spend some time with her and help her through, through that, you know, period in her life. She was able to be like, oh my God, I get it. You're amazing. Like, um, and she was able to kind of like, give me that gift of spirituality because I had been so closed off to it. Um, you know, seeing her go through this magical time and being in so much pain and like still being happy, just like really did a lot for me. So going through all that stuff and, um, you know, realizing that I had all this painful stuff when I was little and dealing with it, my surgery and my transitioning and just like being content and happy, um, with who I am, you know, just, you know, being kind of like a 
gender non-conforming individual and just like all the things that happened to me you know um there's just like been a, a long period of time where i haven't taken care of, of myself and like my body um i think body has been number one like i've tried to take myself like trying to take care of myself with you know eating well and so, exercise let me stop you for a yeah, second sure. because you just described this incredibly beautiful sort of exchange in that moment where your mom passed away of her accepting yeah you for who you were and grow yeah. and acknowledging how beautiful of a person you yeah. are and then you getting the gift of spirituality from her mm -hmm. because spirituality is so related mm -hmm. to death yeah was it in that moment and in that exchange that you decided to take better care of yourself and to focus on being happy or did it come later and how did you make that decision and when well it was definitely like that moment when i was like "Ooh, i gotta be happy you know something like that happens and you're like oh i gotta change mm -hmm. i mean a lot of stuff i had to change so much like my relationship with a lot of things changed at that moment but it's taken me like probably about like eight years to like figure them all out because it's like like i said it's like chipping away at all the things you know but yeah at that moment i mean it was such a gift you know i was able to see her it's almost like birth you know it is like birth wow. it's like i saw her come out of this world and it was such a crazy crazy spiritual experience that it just knocked me knocked me and knocked me down you know it made me think about things a lot differently. Yeah. That's maybe the gift that people who leave this earth give us. Yeah. So, uh, shortly thereafter, <laughs> during that moment, you yeah. decided that you needed to make your life right. Yeah. And, you know, that's not the kind of decision you struggle over. That's the kind, right? Am I yeah. right? That kind... It's it's a struggle to do it, maybe, but yeah. it's not the kind that you're like, mm, or should I not? It's like, nah, you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, you kind of just don't have a choice at that point. Mm. It's being done for you. So what what were the things? What are you doing? How what are you making it happen? Um, well... Uh, Give us a how-to. Um, okay, so... I'm a person who comes from a lot of stress. Um have a lot of anxiety um my body has like reached these like points of um you know having these like muscle spasms um i'm currently just really um i'm a barber so it's i'm on yeah, my feet we didn't talk about how you became a barber I know, there's so many things i'm so many things <laughs> i'm so many things <laughs> okay can you give us a three minute like how did you go from being a sound engineer to being a barber? Well, I used to work um, in salons when I was uh, like 18, 17, um, and I was like a shampoo person. Mm. So um, it wasn't working. I, it wasn't, I wasn't making enough money in my field because they didn't really want to pay women. Um, and I was like, I don't want to do this. It's like, um, so I just got into the hair business. Um, I had been working at you know, studios, not making a lot of money. And um, I don't know, 
I really, I really like the hair business. Uh, at the time, I wasn't cutting hair and I was assistant, but I could say now that um, it's really good for me to make people feel good. Yeah. Um, were you cutting hair amazing. before you started? Were you just someone who'd like people would go to you to cut their hair? Um, I was cutting hair uh, probably like three or four years into my like start to being like a. Um, Cause I was always like, really, I was like, I'm a musician. I'm not going to do hair. I'm a musician. Um, but I can do both. Yeah. You're doing both. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this is just fascinating. So the why now is that you love making people look and feel good. Yeah. But why that? Like what made you be like, oh, I'm not making great money as sound engineer. Let's go with hair. I just didn't like doing sound for other people as well. Mm. It was starting to kill my want to like make art as as it you know i'm able to use my degree in the albums that i make yeah um, and producing stuff at home and you know i'm really happy i did that that's always going to be a passion of mine um being a barber gives you more autonomy less yeah less bullshit yeah it helps me do what i kind of want to do at home you know great so back to your self-care okay um what things are you doing to take care of your body? Which now that you're in a harder on your body profession. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in a state of pain at the moment. Um, I had to move my apartment and got like an, like a little injury. Um, so I've really like hit rock bottom where I'm just like, um, you know, my stress level is just so intense. So I'm working with a chiropractor at the moment. Um, to try to alleviate uh, my pain and stress with that chiropractor. Um, I think he's really going to help me kind of just like be more in my body, you know, because as a trans person, like you're, you could slip out so quickly and mm. just, you're so mean to your body. Yeah, you know I what I mean? Sure. If you don't have the body that you feel like you hope you're supposed to have. So I'm just trying to be like meditate more, be more intentional about my stress. Waking up is a very hard thing. So I try to meditate in the morning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm a very dream state kind of a person and like to be in my dreams a lot. They're pretty cool. Um, if we had time yeah. i would ask you to tell us like five cool <laughs> dreams maybe i should have an entire podcast where people tell me their dreams because oh, honestly yeah. like love that conversation it's a good one um what else i'm just trying to be more in my body um right now it's a little bit hard but i am trying to do um yoga that will let me um i listen to a lot of amazing things in my apartment i'm trying to get my apartment to be like a full-on sanctuary for myself. Mm. Um, How is sound fitting into this? Um, I've, I don't know. I've, you know, I have. Um, I'm trying to. Like I, uh, I was saying before we started talking. Um, when I go home, we listen to music all day at the um, at the shop. But when I go home, I try to listen to like really calming things that will help me just um just be in a different state at home a very calming one 
Um, I also listen to brown noise when I go to bed, Whoa. which is different from white Whoa. noise. Tell us. Yes. Um, brown noise is uh, more bottom frequencies. So if your next door neighbor is playing loud music and you really want, like, it sounds like you're in a space pod. It's kind of Whoa. amazing. Uh, brown noise is all of the frequencies. White noise is a little harsher, so I find it a little more calming for me. It's also good for your pets during um, firework season. Fascinating. Yeah. That's like a great learning, a yeah. great specific learning for Brown audience. noise. You can YouTube it. Speaking of noise, I wanted to play another song by Permanent Wave uh, before we run out of time here. Sweet. This is Kiss Me. You're listening to Radio Free Brook. Yeah. go sorry you're listening to permanent wave um this is radio free brooklyn the song is called kiss me thank you so much chicago for being here this thank is you amazing. thanks for having me i um, really had a good time talking about my feelings love love feelings <laughs> uh what else so rfb is a nonprofit. go to our website we're supported by listeners make a donation if you're so inclined Theme song is by Nation of Language. Check them out wherever you get your music. Uh, hit me up on Facebook or Asha at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you're interested in the show. Thank you for listening. You'll hear from me next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>